Guest, thank you for being here with us, allowing us to worship with you. This is a great day, a day that God has created, and uh, we are just happy in it. You know, the, the more you move on in seasons of life, the more you recognize things. And I've recognized that most people, when it comes to reality, want to avoid it. But you know, when we avoid reality, we also avoid truth. However, that may be okay when it comes to the world and its offerings, but when it comes to the Word of God and His truth, that is an issue. I want to take a look at some of those godly realities life sometimes we avoid. Have you ever at times wondered, well, you seem to be at the end of your ability to withstand. If God can really hear you at times of need and you want confirmation, you, you, you hear silence. And maybe you do say, God, can you hear me now? And you just want to feel something from the Lord. For many, it's time to face the totality of truth. For instance, much of the time as believers, we always blame Satan for the negative sufferings we encounter in life. Theologically, that's true. But keep in mind, we live in a sinful world. And therefore, we are exposed to sinful offerings. Satan, at times, is very much a part of those offerings. But even though he has been given limits by God, he is still considered dangerous, and he is our enemy. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Scripture says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, the book of Job is a perfect example of Satan's lack of authority. We know that God is sovereign. He owns everything that exists. And Satan comes under God's divine power. But at the end of the day, the Bible leaves no question or doubt as to who is in charge of the supernatural warfare that occurs constantly. Nothing coming from Satan can be of any truth or value. And many of our sorrows are not always due to his influence. 
He has no control over life or death. God is the Lord of life. He is the Lord of death. No one lives, no one dies, but by God's sovereign decree. In verse uh, 32, uh, 32, 39 in Deuteronomy, God says, see now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I have healed. Those are some things that we don't think about. God makes sure that all through Scripture, that whoever the reader may be, they will know that the creator of everything that exists is God Almighty, and that his fingers have the power to do mighty and great things. We all know the trials and tragedies that Job went through. You know, in many cases, those who set out to read Job the book of Job for the very first time, find that they cannot complete its readings because they do not understand why a loving God would allow Satan to have such a negative impact on Job and his family. There's a question here for us. When sorrow and suffering enters our lives, can we with confidence repeat the words of Job? Keep in mind, Job was just told that his livestock, his servants, and his children are gone. At that, he fell to the ground in worship. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do we have the faith and trust to be able to respond as Job did when sufferings are allowed to come our way? Now, as believers, we know because of the cross that we have been given an inheritance by God while we are alive. That inheritance is eternal life in heaven with God the Father and God the Son. Now, as we make what we consider is our important requests to God. We trust his answers because we know it is according to his perfect will. But there is one thing we must understand and most of us lack. And that is to be prepared for his answer. Not always, as we know, do we receive our requests in the same manner as we ask. 
If I ask God for $10 and he gives me five, what am I to say? Take back your five if you can't give me ten? No matter what the answer may be, it will be God's best for us. He knows the beginning and he knows the end of every need we have. While in our sufferings, Never, never believe that Satan is sovereign over any of them. He is not. Now again, the book of Job shows us how God deals with relationships between humans, their sufferings, and divine justice. There are many Christians who wrongly believe there is a one-on-one -on -one relationship between suffering and one's sin or prosperity and obedience. They feel if one is not prosperous in this world, one must not be obedient to God. However, if one is prosperous in this world, then obviously... They are obedient to God. That's what the pastor calls stinking thinking. But that's exactly what Job's friends kept telling him. And sometimes we are led to believe the same thing. Job's condition, they said, must be because of his past sins. But God makes it clear that the present condition or circumstance in a believer's life is not necessarily caused by sin, past or present. Even though at times, suffering may be a mystery to us, it is not a mystery to God. Now, those of you who are mathematic buffs, you like to work with figures. There's two words that are always present. Debit and credit. Now, <clears throat> those two words can be a blessing or they can be a curse. And many times, however, we only see the debit side of the ledger as we experience life's trials. We don't see the credit side. It's only when we see the entire ledger that we begin sometimes to understand. Now the reason God sees no mystery is because he views the entire ledger, debit and credit. You know, there are times when we are deep in harm's way and we begin to buffet and complain and sometimes shake our fists at God. But as believers, 
We need to learn to suffer well. Paul suffered well. We need to do that because it will help us persevere during the coming difficult times. Psalms 30, verse 5, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. You know, many times we allow ourselves to believe that God's sovereignty, his ownership over everything, and that we are his children means that when we suffer, it won't hurt. Well, suffering in any form means pain. There are those here today that are in deep sorrow, deep pain. Whether it be pain of the body or pain of the spirit, it hurts. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew both. The body by stripes and the nails. The spirit when his father turned his back on him at the cross. All of us know that suffering can be dark and it can be deep. We are never to minimize pain, especially in others. If we minimize pain in the trials of others, we make fools of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. If we've ever read the scriptures, we know that just about anything negative that could happen did happen to the Apostle Paul. Yet he continued the fight. He did so because he was spiritually healthy. To increase our spiritual health, while in our difficulties of life, we need to learn the value of the eternal weight of God's glory. Suffering is not for the benefit of our physical health, but for our spiritual health. Though we do, not in most cases, understand why God allows suffering to overcome us at times. We need to draw comfort in knowing it is for our spiritual growth 
our spiritual health. Sure, suffering can be so great that at times we cannot even pray. And at those times, we question God's goodness and his purpose. And even say, perhaps, Lord, can you hear me now? We don't want to hear people tell us, Jesus loves you. Have faith. Be strong. We know all of that to be true. Yet when we are overwhelmed with pain and grief, it feels hollow and unhelpful at times. Many times when you watch television, and there is truly a tragedy that has taken place, and of course, the TV cameras are there, and they're scanning the crowd, and they come upon a person that is truly grief-stricken over what has taken place. But that person has absolutely nothing to do with the issue at hand. There is pain that others have for other people. Now, when we hear someone pour out their suffering need, how does our spirit react? Do we say, look, you think you've got problems? Let me share some of mine. Or, how many times do I have to listen to this? You don't have anything else to say? I find myself at times guilty of that. God wants us to react when another is in harm's way. And also, to seek out those who feel our pain as well. So many times we are fearful to allow ourselves to step in the world of the suffering. By entering into the pain of others, we will be more equipped to weep with those who weep. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go out looking for those who are struggling. God has and he will bring those in need to us Many times, we like to hear easy answers to minimize our pain 
as well as give easy answers to others. But you know, God never ever promised that as believers we would ever avoid the natural exposure of a sinful world. He never promised that. Think about that for a moment. If we sit in a doctor's office surrounded by people that have the flu, the probabilities are we will get the flu as well, whether we are believers or not. Are we to blame God? The moment we were saved, everything that has happened to us has happened with the knowledge approval and purpose of God. The word of God seeks first to offer salvation to everyone. Everyone who desires to spend all eternity with him. Secondly, to strengthen our spiritual well-being which in turn places us in a position of pleasing God and to strengthen our faith as we seek to walk with him. We as believers have a tendency to want to turn that around to where the most important thing is our physical values and then secondarily, our spiritual. Why? Because as humans, we easily feel our physical issues, but many times seldom feel our spiritual ones. But it is our spiritual health that has value in the kingdom of God, not our physical health. Now, when it comes to suffering, Paul had some things to say. Romans 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Every time suffering occurs as believers, we are between despair and triumph. Even the Lord cried out to the Father to save him from what was to come. He asked for the cup to pass, but was resigned to do the Father's will. God the Father heard his son's plea, but rather save him from the cross. 
he chose for him to walk the road of suffering so he could receive a greater joy of the resurrection. You see, it is because God is holy that we can have confidence that he will fulfill his promises to us and that is his mercy will be poured out on us and that his wisdom his wisdom will design our sufferings as well as everything else in our lives to work for good so in our dark hours, we cling to God in his holiness. 2 Corinthians 1.9. When Paul was in the deepest of deep concern about himself and those who were following him. Indeed, in my heart, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. By his suffering, and due to the relationship he had in the Lord, gave Paul a high degree of personal Joy. First Peter four twelve. We need to remember this guy. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange happened to you. What Peter was saying that if you think because you are a believer, you can avoid the natural world's sufferings, you are seriously mistaken. When we look around and find ourselves in the pit of despair, spiritual despair, we must understand that God, only God, can bring us out. Sure, the night can be long and the weeping may be intense, but be reassured, the morning is coming. Jesus himself endured the long, long night of weeping. And God promises to be there for us. even when we don't feel his arms around us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Our spiritual life depends on how much confidence we have in the word of God. Think about that now. The amount of confidence you have in the word of God is where you are spiritually today. 
Now, the word of God makes it very clear that even though we are his children, and as his children, we will enter the kingdom when he calls our soul. The fact still remains that while we are here on this earth, we will be exposed to the offerings of a sinful world. And therefore, we will experience many of those offerings. We truly need to understand that. But there's good news. There's always good news when it comes to the Lord. Amen? Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. For the Bible tells me so. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, we have another reality coming up. And that is, there's not a church in America that can survive without the participation of its congregation. And now is a time we can do just that. It's offering time. Yes, it's offering time. Guests, please, you don't have to uh, participate in this. However, no, no, I'm just kidding. We're going to ask our ushers if they'll come forward now. You know, you've been so gracious through this ministry. I've been here since 1983. Most of you were not even born in 83. But nonetheless, God has blessed this ministry year after year after year after year. And he continues to do so. Why? Because you have answered his call of generosity when it comes to your tithes and offerings. So, Father, thank you for this moment in your eternity. Thank you, Father, for those who participate, Father, who are, who are cheerful givers, who give each and every week, Father. And many times they give out of their poverty. We ask that you would bless them, Father. And now, Father, as we receive your offerings, multiply it, Father so that we can do the work you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Gentlemen, you may. There's another reality for somebody here. That reality is simply, when God calls your soul, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? If somebody should ask you that, what are you going to tell them? I hope I'm going to heaven, or maybe I'm going to heaven, or I have absolutely no idea. You need to leave here knowing. Amen. You need to know that when you die here, not here, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> but when God calls your soul, you need to know that you're going to be in the kingdom with him. There's a, God gives you a, a perfect purpose and reason. And that we talked about a little bit. He put his son on the cross he put him there to suffer because of you and I. Sin is rampant in the world. Jesus came, born of a virgin birth. Sin is still rampant. And so Jesus came to forgive that sin and to be able to offer every human being 
the moment in time to enter the kingdom of heaven. I know when I did, it was a great, great feeling. I gave up a boxing match to come to Christ, and that was because the Lord forced that on me. We have a few minutes. What happened to me was every Friday, I watched the Friday night fights, every Friday. And my wife took the kids to church. I didn't mind that. Hey, every kid needs a little bit of religion. And so she went to church. I got ready to watch the 9 o'clock Friday night fights. And here comes Billy Graham, a preempted program. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I was very upset. (laughs) And uh, I kept it on because in those days, there were only three channels. And so I had no choice. And I listened to the music and listened a little bit, and all of a sudden, I started listening more and more and more to Billy Graham. And he offered the Lord, and I took the Lord. Now, people say you can't do that. You can, I did. And I've been serving ever since. Those in here who who can't answer that question, you need to know that God has offered you, this day, the opportunity to say, yes, I know, when he calls my soul, I'm entering the kingdom of heaven. How do you do that? Simply, I'm going to say a prayer, okay? I can quote scripture all day long, but I'm going to say a prayer, and you need to either parrot me in your spirit or use your own. Folks, pray for the one on your left, your right, in front of you, behind you. They may be the ones that need to hear this. Father God, thank you for putting your son on the cross for me. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. Father, I know that I am a sinner. I have been born a sinner. And Father, I need Jesus. I need your son. I need the Holy Spirit to take up residency within me. I confess my sins to you. Father, you are the great physician. You will heal my soul. You will guarantee me by your son on the cross that I will be with you in all eternity. Thank you for saving my soul. My God, you are my God. You are my Lord. I thank you. Thank you, Father, for this moment in your eternity. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.